This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. I'm going to continue. Um, we're talking about hands and feet. And I'm, I'm ministering on the value of a soul. And, and last week we talked about how we can get, we can change our schedule, be totally inconvenient, uh, inconvenienced because of losing something. Now, I talked about losing wallet and keys and passport and uh, just how desperation took over. I mean, you're in auto drive. I mean, you're after it to find that thing. You know, you don't lose something that's valuable to you and say, well, um, I'll look for it tomorrow. Let's just, let's go eat, maybe a show up, you know. It's just a credit card, you know, maybe a show up. No, we, we go after it. And especially, you know, if it's uh, like I told about our youngest son, that a man heading by the hand was walking out the store with him. You know, you're talking about desperation. You just, you forget all who's there and everything. You're yelling and going after him. And uh, anyway, you can listen uh, to last week's message online. But um, losing things is something that Jesus talked about. And we looked at, Jesus talked about losing three things. He talked about losing sheep, coin, and the lost son and I just took one example talking about the the lost coin I'm not going back into that but uh, I want to continue with the the same thought and and go back to Mark chapter 8 where Jesus actually tells us what the value of a soul is in verse 36 and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul is anything worth more than your soul? The answer is no. You can gain the whole world, all the wealth, all the power, everything that's in this world that people are after, seeking after. You can gain it all and it'll benefit you nothing in comparison to your soul. That's the value of a soul, the whole world, all the wealth of the world. Think about that. That's, that's pretty staggering when you think about it. It's mind expanding. So no wonder Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission. His mission was to seek and save that which was lost. He came for what was the most valuable, precious thing that existed. He didn't come... God the Father didn't say, I'm sending you back to Mother Earth. It's off kilter some. They're having storms and things are off alignment. In case you don't know, it was perfectly in center. It wasn't tilted before the fall. Everything was perfect on this earth, the weather. No, he came for people. Say people. He came for you and I because that was what was valuable to God the Father. The value of a soul. 
So you see there in your notes, God sees you as more valuable than all the accumulated wealth of this planet. That just staggers my mind to think about. We think about all the rich, rich and famous people and all that they have. It's no comparison to the value of a soul. No comparison. Not even close. All the accumulated wealth of this planet. If you had that, that balance and you had the weight, one soul, and you had all the wealth, the gold, the, the silver, the diamonds, real estate, uh, all, all of it over here, the soul would be so much weightier. And Jesus wasn't estimating. He wasn't rounding up by a huge amount. This is the truth. The value of the soul. But before we can value, this is in your notes too, before I can value others, I must see my value before the Lord. And it's a principle, really, we see in the Word. I cannot value someone else until I value myself. In 1 Peter 1, verse 18, from the Phillips translation, for you must realize all the time that you've been trans ransomed from the futile way of living, passed on to you by your father's traditions, not with some money payment of transcendent, transcendent value, but by the costly shedding of the blood, say the blood, blood. the price was in fact the lifeblood of Christ, the unblemished and unstained lamb of sacrifice. Now the value of something is what is someone willing to pay for it. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're so valuable. Turn to the other side and say, you're so valuable. It means temporary, brief, fly-by-night, insubstantial, passing, fleeting. It wasn't, we weren't purchased by something that was fly-by-night that didn't amount to anything. The opposite of that is lasting, permanent, perpetual, eternal. You were purchased by something that has eternal weight. It's permanent. Pastor Rob was talking about we're going to give blood. Well, there was some blood that was given, a transfusion for every single person that would ever live or exist on this earth, every single human being. There was some blood given that would pay the price for all to be adopted into the family of God, for them to be ransomed, for their sins to be forgiven, eradicated from their life as if they had never sinned the righteousness of God. Not the righteousness of man, the righteousness of God because of the blood. The devil hates the blood. But that blood, how precious is that blood that flowed from Jesus' veins? It redeems, it saves. The lifeblood of Christ 
said it was costly. It's not corruptible, not perishable, sacred in holy blood. His sacrifice at the cross paid for our eternal soul to have eternal life. But I want you to think of another thought. It's the highest price, purchase price that could ever be paid. It was the blood of the Lamb, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It takes revelation to even understand the purchase price that we were purchased with. Oh, how great is his love for us that he would come and die for us. We have great value because we're loved by the Father and we're loved by Jesus and we're loved by the Holy Spirit and it was demonstrated at the cross. You don't feel loved one day? Just get your Bible and read about the cross because it was all for you. And we hear about if there was just one lost person, Jesus would come from them. For them, this is where we get it. The cost of one single soul, yes, he would come for that one because it was so valuable and so precious to God. In James chapter 2, verse 8, For your calling is to fulfill the royal law of love. As given to us in this scripture, you must love and value your neighbor as you love and value yourself. For keeping this law is the noble way to live. My love for others is limited by my love for myself. That's what the scriptures say. It doesn't sound logical, but it's the truth. The more I love myself, the more I can love you. Where does that love for me come from? It comes from the love of a heavenly father that showed me how valuable I was. That loved me so much, even when I was in sin, even when I was lost, even when it was a mess. Jesus came and shed his blood for me and offered forgiveness. I love that we were singing the, that blood forgives. I mean, are you glad your sins have been paid in full? Well, I have news for you. When we've been in heaven 10 billion years, nobody's going to go, hey, Jesus. We need a blood transfusion. This thing has run out. No, it's eternal. This purchase price was so strong and so costly that it paid for your eternal salvation. It will never run out. The effect of the blood of Jesus will never, ever run out. It's costly. So costly. In John chapter 20, this is when Jesus has been crucified. The disciples are afraid of the, of the Jews and they're uh, behind closed doors. They had assembled together and this Jesus comes to them. John chapter 20, verse 21 
So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, also I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? This means the rescue mission that Jesus came to this earth to fulfill continues on through you and I. We're on the rescue mission to seek and to save that which is lost. We should be intentionally looking, sweeping the house, carefully looking. This is more valuable than your wallet, losing your credit card, whatever. People is. And we are called to do the same thing Jesus did. Mm. There's much work to be done. So Jesus is telling them. In, in Matthew 4 verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. It talks about process here. Do you know you're in process after you get born again, you accept Jesus as Lord of becoming a fisherman? He said, I'll make you a fisherman. And what he does, he gets the selfish, uh, the selfishness out of you until you start looking at others. In fact, you lose your life. And what happens? You find your life in him. I lose my life in, into his mission. And I find life. You know, there are some bored Christians. It shouldn't be. You probably aren't reaching out to anybody. Pastor, I, I just don't know if everybody around me is just perfect. Really? What planet do you live on? <laughs> there, the harvest field is ripe. There's so many people out there that need us to show them the way, to give them light, to show them love, to give them the truth in love. Because hell is a real place. I experienced lost for just a few moments years ago in prayer. I was in the intercessory prayer, and I'll never forget it. That for a few, I don't know how long it was, it felt it was too long, but I felt lost, cut off from God. It was a depth of despair that I could not take. I started weeping. I just could not take it. And I, I realized, after it lifted, I realized I was praying for lost people to, to respond to the gospel. I'm going, if that's, and I know that's just a, a glimpse of what hell feel like. We have a mission. But here's the good news. We're supernaturally equipped he said, I will make you fishers of men. I had a dream and 
a lot of us guys were fishing and we're throwing out our, our reels, reeling them in. We're not getting a bite or anything. And I heard the Lord say, go to the side. I went to the side and I saw concrete. And then I realized it was all camouflage. There was all these plants and stuff along the side. It was all fake. We were fishing in a huge swimming pool. And he said, keep walking down the way. I kept walking down the way. And then I turned and I looked into this huge room. And there was people there. And they all just slowly turned. I'm doing it faster than that. And looked at me. And the Lord said, they're all half dead. They're physically alive, spiritually dead. And said, so we're fishing in the wrong place. We've got to know who we are and value ourselves enough to touch some people who don't know Christ. To love them enough and be strong enough not to be moved by sinful ways. And you know what happens when you do that? God shows out. Had a, a man, young man yesterday we're getting our yard mulched before the flood today and, you know. <laughs> as I was leaving for church, I saw half our mulch in the driveway. <laughs> That's amplified version, but. <laughs> Evangelistically speaking, but there was some there. And um, anyway, um, Young man comes to the door, he knocks on it and says, we've completed the work. I come out and talk to him and everything's good. And, and he said, I'm, I'm running this, this race thing. And he was telling me about it. And it, it sounded like a really uh, neat thing. He was really in good shape and um, telling me about working out. He said, I'm doing it for my kids. And got talking to him some and said his kids aren't with him. And he went through a very uh, difficult time. He said there was so much stress and heartache when this uh, wife left him that he lost hearing his left ear. And uh, anyway, I, I just mentioned a couple things about, you know, uh, if he was a believer, he said he grew up in uh, the Baptist church and accepted the Lord. But, you know, really, you know, he needed to get back on track and, and you know you need to forgive and it's not a feeling it's just a, a choice if you're not walking in forgiveness you're, you're hindering yourself and so anyway so I told him uh, his crew is actually in the truck and they're, they're looking and <laughs> I told him you know the, the Lord uh, I heal your ear and he gave a look like hmm Sure, okay. So I told him, you put your hand on your ear, and I just prayed, you know, Lord, touch his ear, open it up. And something popped while I was doing that, and he, he looked. His other ear popped where he could hear better out of it. <laughs> and he still has his hand on the ear that he had lost his hearing. He takes it off, and he could hear. Well... 
we're to do the works of Christ. We need to pray for people. We need to reach out to them, show them the light, and destroy the works of darkness. That's what we're called to do. But we're supernaturally equipped to do it. Amen? Now, I didn't make a huge thing out of it. Just a simple thing. Especially all these eyes on him. <laughs> but God is good. We have a mission. When our hearts are filled with the grace and love of God, we will care about the soul of others. Grace of God is not just for us, but for others. Do we see all people as valuable? Say all people. All. I'm talking about that one that irritates you on the job. I'm talking about that boss that's promised you promotion and keeps delaying. I'm, I'm talking about that neighbor that wants their dogs and your dogs, their dogs love your flowers that you work so hard on. And every day there's fresh poo-poo on your flowers. And it's killing them. We're to love everyone. Are you praying for that one to irritate you? Are you praying for that one that's unlovable? I remember when my boss at work, he said, we have a young engineer coming in. I want you to try my job. Sure. I mean, from the first time I met him, I've never, he would uh, make a military man blush. I mean, this guy, he just, he could not talk about bombs and flares going off everywhere. I mean, it was, it was something. So, everything's going along. I'm showing him some things. And the boss comes out and says, hey, I want you to take him lunch. So, we go to lunch. And, I mean, the, the whole way down there, you know, uh, a pretty girl walks by. You know, and it's like this with him, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's one of those, you know. <laughs> we sit down to eat. I pray. I said, just a minute, I bow my head to pray. I open my eyes, he's staring right at me. He goes, oh, well, that was nice. Blankety blank blank. Hey, what are you eating? Well, I think I'm going to have some of these blankety blank. Okay, good. You have you some of that. <laughs> Thinking to myself, I don't know if I'd curse my food like that. He just cursed his food on me upside one side down the other. <laughs> I mean, he even asked God to damn it. You get in the picture. So I want to say that it was just out of the compassion of my heart, uh, you know, that the Lord laid him on my heart to pray. No, it was sound survival. I'll just be honest with you. I've got to work with this guy. I said, Lord Jesus. And that's when the Lord said, well, you've been praying for somebody to minister to. <laughs> Couldn't you give me somebody easier than this? I mean, really, God? I mean, 
Couldn't have been somebody I just halfway like a little bit. I mean, this is, ugh. So I started praying. And you know what? When you start praying for somebody, you start loving them. And next time you see them, you see them differently. And things started changing. And I started seeing him through Jesus. And he accepted the Lord. Became one of my best friends. Our whole department got saved. When I retired, it was like a worship service. I mean, we had people singing songs. It was all worship unto the Lord. And people gave testimonies. And so <laughs> it wasn't just me. It was a group of us. We all started praying for everybody lost in, that, in our department. And we just started. We had, you've heard me say hit list. And I say, maybe I say blessing list. Um, but had our list and we're just picking them off. And someone we just prayed for, you know, something would happen in their life and we offered to pray. When something going on in somebody's life, they usually don't turn down prayer. Then when God intervenes, they're ready to accept the Lord. Hallelujah. Are we laying awake praying about how to reach the lost in our world? Are we seeking until they're found? Are we waiting for fish to jump in our boat? <laughs> And it doesn't say to value people only when they're treating you right. The ones that need to get saved usually aren't going to treat you right. Because there's a difference about you. There's light. But we're to love them. We're to show them. And one of the things you can do when the pressure's on... Just get you some praise music on and start praising God. It is a tool against the enemy. It is a weapon against the enemy. Let me skip on down here. I'm giving you Psalms 142.4. Look on my right hand and see there's no one who acknowledges me. Refuge has failed me. No one cares for my soul. That's King David saying, who cares for my soul? We've got to care. In your notes, the highest compliment you can give another person is to care for their eternal soul. It's the highest value, the highest compliment, the highest honor. And the Lord uh, just, I mean, the end, uh, this, this came to me about... Uh, abortion about value the unborn and that's a hot topic you know in, in our time but senior notes as Christians we're to value the unborn so and we have justification that from scripture you know last week we talked about uh, Psalms 139 where it says you're fearfully and wonderfully made by God it says that he's the giver of life in Galatians 1.15, but even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. In Jeremiah 1.5, 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. But you put your name in this. It wasn't just Jeremiah they knew. He knew you before you were born and had the assignment and purpose for your life before you were born. You know, you might be asked, do you believe that birth starts at conception? Well, actually, if you take the scripture, no. It's before conception. Now, I know in time and space it starts uh, in this physical realm, conception, but really it started in the mind of God before, before. So that's the reason God puts value on these lives. He has a purpose for them. So when a child is aborted, the parents are saying, in essence, God, you made a mistake creating this child. We're going to end his or her life. And there's 115,000 abortions a day in the world, 42 million a year. They now say the most dangerous place for a child is in his mother's womb. And let me say this, if you've, if you've had an abortion, God forgives. And God doesn't want you to have that, that guilt and that uh, regret leaving that. God, he forgives completely and he heals deeply. So your last one there in your notes, life is of great value because God determined to create that life long before the mother or father ever thought about having a child. And I want to end with this. This is one of my favorite stories. I, I've, I've shared it shared it before, but it's been a, a pretty good while. And it always challenges me. It, it, it moves me. This is about John Harper. And John was born to a Christian parents on the 29th of May, 18. 72, he began uh, preaching the word at age 17 on the streets of his village, pouring out his soul for men to be reconciled to God. Uh, his life unfolded. One thing was apparent. He was consumed by the word of God. I'm going to skip down. He gets married. Uh, his wife uh, dies, but they have a, a little girl named uh, Nana. John Harper, uh, this is interesting, almost drowned several times during his life, but was, but was saved. On the night of the 14th of April, 1912, he was on the ship called the Titanic. Now, if you ever did some study about that, a lot of dumb things were said about the Titanic. <laughs> that even God couldn't sink the ship. I mean, no, that's open door to the enemy to sink that ship. That's crazy. But anyway, uh, he's on board with his six-year-old daughter. According to documented reports, 
it became apparent that ship was going to sink, and John Harper immediately took his daughter to a lifeboat. He bent down, kissed this precious little girl, looking into her eyes. He told her that he would see her again someday. Harper was seen making his way on deck yelling, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Minutes later, the Titanic went down. 1,500 people went into the freezing waters. John Harper was seen swimming frantically, the people in the water, leading them to Jesus. He swam up to one young man who was clinging to him. He was a debris and asked him, are you saved? And the young man said he wasn't. He said, would you like to receive Christ? He said, no. John Harper took off his life jacket and threw it to the man and said, here then, you need this more than I do. Later, he swam back to the young man and succeeded in leading him to salvation. Of the 1,500 people that went into the water, six were rescued by lifeboats. One of them was this young man on this piece of debris. Four years later, at Survivor's Reunion, the young man stood up with tears, recounted. I should have had somebody else read this. (laughs) How John Harper had led him to Christ. Reverend Harper had tried to swim back to help other people, yet because of the intense cold, he he had grown too weak to swim. His last words before going under, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. This young man who told the story, recounted the story, got into the ministry. And start doing the same thing John Harper was doing. Let's bow our heads. If you're not right with God today, you need the blood applied to your life. You're either going to heaven or hell. I plead with you, choose Christ. He loves you. He will save you. He has open arms to pull you in. If every head bowed and eyes shut, say, that's me. I need to get right with him. And maybe you prayed this before. But today you know you need to make a decision for Christ. You need to get back to where you know you belong. And commit your life afresh and anew. If that's you, just lift your hand. We're going to pray together. not going to ask you to come up right now. We're going to pray together. Anyone?
Is there anyone in this place say, yes, that's me? Yes, see the hand. Anyone else? Just lift it up high and say, that's me. Let's pray. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the price that was paid to cleanse me of my sins. The cross that he bore, he took my sins. He took my guilt. He took my shame. He spilt his blood. He purchased my life. He cared for my soul. And I received his gift. And now, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me. Cause me to be strengthened. To live this life. In Jesus' name. The Bible says, when one comes home, everyone in heaven rejoices. The angels are rejoicing. But there's one more thing I want to bring to you. And we prayed last week for God to... We're all called to the ministry of reconciliation that's reaching out to others. We would be in heaven if it was not for the mission that needs to be completed. And we're responsible to reach out in our world. Or he'd just take us home. He'd take us all to heaven. But God gives you the strength for the mission. So I want to pray again for those that want more. I'm standing. I want God's heartbeat. I want his heart for the lost. So what about the family of God? It says that we are to serve our family even more than the world. So if you're with me and many others, Rob and Shauna, I want you to stand up. If you're with us, stand. And you want this hunger. So, well, Pastor, we prayed last week. I know it. I'm just doing what the Lord says. We're going to believe that we receive this and then we're going to put action to it. You don't make this decision in the heat of the moment. You make the decision now. When the opportunity's there, you're going to respond. You're going to act. Don't be talking to a person. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I can. I don't know. I don't know. No. You, you make the decision now. Opportunities there. Lord, I thank you that you strengthen me right now. You give me the word to say. And step out. The water's fine. But you know what? God shows up when you step out. There he is. Well, I haven't seen God move and do something in my life. My prayer, step out and watch what will happen. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we as a, a people, a congregation, we cry out for your heart. What if we believed you, Lord, that you would make us fisher of men, that we could see eternal destinations for hell canceled and people to come alive in you infuse us set a fire ablaze on the inside of us to win souls he that is wise will win souls Lord let us be a wise people and let us not be when we're persecuted or mocked or laughed at or or eyes are rolled at, at us, that, Lord, we just love them more and we pray more. Let us not be moved by what we see and what we feel and touch. Let us be moved by your heart to reach them. Because eternity's a long time and we want no regrets want to reach each and every person some of you have been praying for someone that you love but when the opportunity comes by you to be the answer to someone else's prayer respond because you're sowing seed the way your prayers will be answered everybody catch that Raise your hand if that made sense. About 10 of us, okay. I'm saying people come across your path that someone else is praying for their salvation. If you pass it by, you're going to read people passing by, Christians passing by for those that you're praying for. It's a principle. hands on your heart and say I receive Lord your heart I submit to you I give you this vessel to fulfill the mission that Jesus started and it continues I bring rescue I bring the rescuer to all those in my world in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.